When I first started my health journey, I remember a big resounding question going through my mind. How did I get here? And the follow-up question was relevant to it, which was, what do I need to do to get out of this? Back in 2015, when my health came crashing down, I thought I knew what the path to health was. I had been able to be quite healthy up until that point, and I figured I just need to eat the right food and exercise the right way and sleep enough, and that would be it. But because I didn't know the path, and let me tell you, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't the fullness of the path, I ended up spending years floundering around making some progress here, taking steps back in other areas, and overall feeling really confused about where am I in the healing journey? Am I on, am I anywhere? Am I making progress anywhere? In today's episode, I want to go over with you something that I created for my clients, which is called the five phases to becoming a self-led healer. And those five phases are designed to help someone identify what phase am I currently in? What, what, key skills do I need to master in this phase? And then where am I going next? What's the next phase that's available to me? As well as where have I been? What phases have I already accomplished or perhaps mastered? So I want to share with you that training that I use with my clients that that we work through to find out where someone is on their path to healing and what they have left to learn. I so wish I had this tool myself back in 2015. It would have saved me a lot of grief. But in the meantime, I want to share it with you. And I hope today's training leaves you so empowered to move forward in your next steps. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel more healthy and vibrant than ever by finding the root causes of our health problems. My name is Allison Jordan. I'm a marathon runner, functional medicine, health coach, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and just checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for your entire life. If you are ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. I have a lot of people who've been reaching out to me through DMs, uh, mainly in Instagram, and I've been noticing I've been getting one question a lot lately, which is, you know, I still have XYZ condition going on, and I've worked with other practitioners or I've taken other supplements to deal with it, and it's not gone away. What's the magic pill? I actually did have someone say, like, what's the magic What's your, can you, can you give me what your magic solution is that you're getting results with clients? And the truth of the matter is, is that there is no one secret magic pill that is healing people. The secret ingredient to your own healing 
is yourself. And those secret ingredients are found in these five stages. As you're listening, I want you to be thinking about when I'm describing a phase, have you been there? Do you remember going through the things that I'm talking about? And then also, did you ever master that phase? Did you push forward into the next phase, trying to get results and get to the end, but you never mastered key skills that we found in each phase and that build upon each other? Those are some of the things that I find really get my client success. Phase one is awareness. Awareness is everything. Your awareness of your bank account keeps you in good cash flow. It helps you plan for the future and your bank account helps tell you how healthy you are financially. Your awareness of cars around you when you drive keeps you safe from running into other cars or trees or (laughs) the sidewalk. And then heck, even the war with advertisers that are fighting on Facebook and YouTube and our phone notifications are all fighting for our awareness or our attention. Awareness is just that powerful. And in the phase one of awareness for for going on your health journey, what we typically see is that your identifier is that your symptoms are typically at 50 to 100% intensity of the max that they're going to be or have been. Um, Your symptoms are starting to get bad enough that they are interrupting normal activities such as sleep, exercise, eating, socializing, work. Um, Your symptoms either have come from a season of upped intensity, such as moving or, okay, COVID. Um, You can have relational stress, financial stress, um, or maybe some things just seem the same, but symptoms suddenly are worse. That's the two most common stories I hear with someone who is entering into their phase one of awareness. Often in phase one of awareness, the world of health is unfamiliar, or maybe even uncomfortable. And in phase one awareness, you may or may not go to the doctor as a first line of action, like, okay, I'm starting to get migraines, my belly's starting to hurt more often, I'm in pain more often. And that doctor, depending on the severity of your symptoms, and how much you can tell them may or may not refer you to a specialist. In phase one, some of the blocks that you can come up against is shame from having gotten to this place. Like, how did I get to this place? I remember going through that myself in 2015 of, oh my gosh, I'm a generally healthy person. What is going on? My, I'm bloating. I'm tired all the time. I feel like I'm a bad employee because I can't focus as much. Really feeling a lot of shame. Uh, there's a lot of fear in phase one often of what it may be required to feel better, of what things we might have to give up or start doing. There's fear of learning what the problem may be. There's fear of learning that there is no answer. That is a really, really, really common fear that I find has developed in my clients starting in phase one. And then there's just fear of the unfamiliar things that we're learning about our body, words, medical terms that someone's throwing out at us. And that's just, that's uncomfortable. That can be fear inducing. Another block in this, in this phase is overwhelm. Typically overwhelm at how much you don't know or how much you haven't been doing. I see that if there's anything that causes somebody to not progress in this phase or to shut down in this phase, um, it's really that shame, fear, and overwhelm. And then lastly, we have lack of confidence to change health because often in phase one, you've never done 
you've you all the things that you've done for your health um, either haven't worked, which was my case, or maybe you've never had to focus too much on your health and your body just kind of went and you had the energy you wanted. And then suddenly you've never had to deal with this problem before. And there's definitely a challenge to our confidence of, can I do this thing? In phase one, key strategies that you want to implement is to number one, start simple. You want to just pick something small that you feel like you can do. And that's not, usually in this phase, you're not trying to reroute your whole diet and you're not trying to re-change, just change your entire sleep pattern or, or, or even, heck, quit your job. I did that. <laughs> I did not do it in phase one, but I did it out of desperation. But really just starting small things so that you can gain confidence in your ability to improve and impact your health. Um, the other big thing about phase one, I'd say this is the biggest thing, is tracking your symptoms. Um, in phase one with awareness, I mean, even by the title name um, of this phase, we're really thinking about having a better knowledge of your body. And that is a knowledge that you don't pick up in a textbook that your doctor can't give you because it's about you knowing your body. And when you track symptoms, you're able to um, overcome sometimes uh, just beliefs you have like, oh, I'm sure this, this symptom I'm having is related to my boss. So I'm sure it's related to this food I'm eating. And, and maybe it is, and maybe it's not. And maybe it's multifactorial, which is the most common thing that I see where it's it's a combination of things. And, and maybe just the boss <laughs> being stressful that day or just the kids um, won't trigger a symptom or make it show up in its in its highest form, but but maybe it's a combination of other things the the air quality or the food you're eating or the sleep quality all these different things. In phase one, another strategy that you can create is habits, and just create one at a time so you can again start to trust yourself. And lastly is mindset. You really want to develop in phase one the mindset to just take the first imperfect step. And you don't need that mindset just for phase one. You're developing it so that you can use it in phase two and phase three and phase four and phase five. You're going to use that mindset the entire time. And it's going to be really key to not panicking when you want to know the perfect exact right answer, but also realizing just take a first step, take an imperfect step, and um, you'll, you'll, you'll get results, you'll learn something, whether it worked or not. Um, and you know, you also develop that knowing that you are doing something, you're, you're moving along. In phase one, the needs you most need, and if you're saying, oh my gosh, this sounds like me, I'm just started this journey, Allison's pinpointed me, my identifier is like, I'm, I'm, my symptoms are getting worse, this is unfamiliar territory, your biggest needs are going to be a method to track and intake data, uh, small implementable steps, you're going to really need to affirm what you're observing. And um, we're going to get into this in just a second with the dangers, but really um, you can start this with yourself as to just affirm like I am observing that I'm having symptoms and then self having self-awareness, which you're clearly developing in the stage of, but, but even so um, 
self-awareness of your thoughts that you have about your body of like, this shouldn't be this way or um, having victim mentality of like, why is this happening to me? What was me? I didn't do anything wrong. Those things aren't self-serving, but the first thing that you need is just have an awareness of what are your thoughts you're having throughout the day? What are your, what are your emotions like throughout the day? Are you really tense the whole day? Um, things like that. And then body awareness, um, really thinking about pain levels, when you feel best and worse, what helps your your symptoms decrease, what hurts your symptoms, anything you can do to develop that. And then lastly, we have dangers. So dangers in phase one is related to, I talked about affirmation of, you need affirmation of what you're observing, but one of the dangers in phase one is I see a lot of people get shut down by family, friends, or doctors using things like, you're too sensitive, your symptoms aren't a big deal, or this is normal, like most women I've ever talked to, including myself, have been told that painful periods are normal. And painful periods are common, but they're not normal. That's not a sign of a healthy body. Just like um, tachycardia, like a heartbeat that's too fast, is not is maybe relatively common. It doesn't really matter how common it is. The point is, is that it's not normal. And doctors take that seriously if there is any tachycardia. Um, Other dangers in phase one is being distracted because the point of phase one is awareness. So being distracted by kids, work, being productive by leisure and wanting to watch TV or going on vacation, those are all huge inhibitors to this phase. And we'll either just slow it down or completely bring it to a halt where you never really master and get past phase one. And then uh, being discouraged is a big danger by what you learn, like, oh my gosh, I get migraines every day, or um, these are pretty large ongoing symptoms, or it is worse when I eat gluten or sugar. And just whatever you learn um, can be discouraging, or things you don't learn, like, I don't know why my symptoms are showing up. I've been tracking it for three, six, 12 months and and I still don't still feels really fuzzy to me. And then last danger in phase one is thinking things can't change or thinking this is just the way things are. And that's that is the last thing that I find. If someone goes through all of phase one and they've developed all this awareness and I've had clients come to me and they can tell me all these things about their symptoms, where they come from and what triggers them or or when it started and all this stuff, and then they just think but you really can't help me, can you? And this is just kind of the way things are. So can you give me something to cope? What's a nice thing you can do to to make things just a little better? And that's not what we aim for at Better Belly. Like we see life transformation in our clients and we do not believe that this is just the way things are. Our clients... I have huge, they go from not sleeping to sleeping, to being in pain 24-7, to not being in pain 24-7, to not being able to eat and having literally a diagnosis of gastroparesis, of paralyzed stomach, and being on two antiacids a day, to being only on one antiacid every other day, and losing their diagnosis of gastroparesis, and being able to gain weight again and have energy. I mean, it's just not true. This is not just the way things are. So, Phase two, if you, you know, some people will jump from phase one to phase two um, before they're ready. And so I'll see people get mired in that. But phase two is implement. And so typically, as you are gaining awareness and growing in phase one, you start to implement. And in implements, your main identifiers is uh, your symptoms are at 80 to 100% of original intensity. I find that some people hang out in the awareness phase because their symptoms are still 
like they're at 50 percent of the highest intensity they're going to get so they just kind of are like well it's not bad enough um and so their symptoms continue to grow and by the time they're ringing at this 80 to 100 percent of intensity someone's like i'm ready to do something about it so uh, phase two there's a commitment to change there's uh, self-awareness, uh, if you've accomplished phase one, is a normal or familiar thing. In phase two with Implement, I see a lot of people doing a lot of DIY health projects, reading blogs, listening to podcasts. This is a really big thing and really great in this phase. Um, you will often see in phase two, you will get six you will get success in health ventures. So you're starting to see like, oh, when I did this thing, I improved. Um, you're gaining confidence because of that and your ability to change your health. And you're getting more and more doctor's appointments, perhaps for guidance on your next steps. In phase two with implement blocks is that I see most commonly is information overload, just too much to do, too much to change, too many blogs to read. I remember feeling this way in phase two. I kind of plowed through it and, but, but there, I mean, there's just a lot of information out there and some of it's relevant to your body. Some of it's not, you're not sure what is and isn't. Um, other blocks in phase two is resistance at home to change kids, um, husbands who are like, why are you eating differently? Why are you, you know, not staying up as late? Why are you, um, you know, trying to rest more? All those things can, there can be a lot of resistance to change or, or even really, why do you want to spend money on XYZ thing on new running shoes or on, on organic food, whatever it is that you're kind of, that can Resistance can come in a lot of different forms at home. And one of the things that I really ask my clients when they're starting to work with me is, are, is there anything that's going to hold you back from changing? Um, is there anybody who, who's your support team in your change? And we've, I've even had people who said, who've said, I need to wait a month or two to get on board, get trying to get my family on board with this. And sometimes they're not never able to. And, and really in phase two, even if, even though you want to bring family along um, with your change, that's the ideal situation. Sometimes you have to do something for yourself. And if you don't, that but does become a major block to phase two, where you're not able to implement and not see change. And then lastly, the block, uh, the last block I see is pretty much the same as the last one, which is resistance from friends to change. You used to eat this, used to stay up late with us, used to eat, drink alcohol. I even had a client who is like, I think I need to get a new group of friends because they are, some of them are just so antagonistic to the fact that I'm not drinking alcohol. And we actually found out that that wheat and even that alcohol and even specifically wheat was extremely triggering to her symptoms. And she had no idea because she was drinking it every week. And so she was in this constant fog and she had no idea that it was beer that was making her feel worse. And when we realized that from some testing and she got off it for, she was off it for about two months, I think, when she really realized, um, oh my gosh, she she accident, she drank a little bit of beer. It was like a quarter portion or something at a birthday party. And she came back. She's like, I had the worst cramps, the worst pain. I was so foggy headed. My bowel movements were horrible right after this. And I, she was like, I'd never realized that I had just been floating around in this. And so um, resistance from friends, sometimes you just realize you need a new friend group. <laughs> and that's what my client, we actually worked with my client to do that. We talked about who can you, who, is there anybody who is supportive currently? Um, is there friends you haven't connected with in a while? Or where could you go to meet new people who are supportive of, of these changes you're making? 
um, strategies in phase two that I encourage my clients to seek out, and if you're in this phase, seek these out, is to choose small projects and goals and then gain wins one step at a time. Uh, slowly exchange less beneficial habits for more beneficial habits. So you don't want to, one thing I see in this um, as a block, you can almost say, is when someone's like, I'm just going to stop eating sugar. Um, and that's great. It, it's Sugar is a huge trigger for a lot of inflammation and pain in the body. But if you do stop any one thing, you really do need to exchange it. So like, what other treat can you give yourself that doesn't have sugar in it, whether it's food or a non-food treat, like a warm bath or going for a walk outside? Or heck, if you are saving money on buying sugary things, could you use that money to buy something else as a treat to yourself? So you want to not just stop less beneficial habits, you want to exchange them. So that's a big strategy. I always talk with my clients, okay, we're going to stop this thing. What are we going to, going to exchange it with? You want to find a pack. Um, this actually goes back to that block of people who are resisting you. One of the biggest ways to build a habit, according to James Clear, who's the author of Atomic Habits, great book. I strongly recommend it. Um, just the most compassionate, thoughtful book on habits that doesn't feel like it's like smacking you and saying, why don't you have good habits? <laughs> well, one of the things he says is one of the easiest ways to make a new habit is to find people who are already doing that habit. I was like, oh my gosh, I've totally experienced that. Like um, in high school, I there were not a ton of kids who studied super intensely at my high school. And then when I went to college, um, they... The, the kids that I was around, at least, were studied way more. And it was just way easier and way more natural to study, even as that was already a habit I had. It was it was fun, and, and it was became a group thing. Um, that can also apply to eating gluten-free, or it can apply to eating keto, or it can apply to wanting to run more or walk more. Find people who already do that. Finding people who, who do yoga, that's why like going to classes of any sort, whether it's bicycling or yoga um, or meditation, that's why those are so helpful because you have a pack. You're paying for a pack, <laughs> which is what happens when you pay for a class. And then lastly, Talk to family and friends about why you're doing what you're doing and the benefits you're seeing. That's a huge way to get people on board and talk to your family. I had the sweetest, sweetest story told to me recently of a client who found out that she had candida, which is a yeast overgrowth. And one of the best things, especially for how much she had going on, um, one of the best things for that uh what we found was to go on a low-carb diet because yeast loves carbs. That's how you make alcohol is when yeast eats carbs like sugar, like agave or beer with wheat and all these things, barley. They eat carbs. And so if you, one of the things you can do is starve the candida, go on a low-carb diet. And she was like, I'm going to go do a keto diet. And um, when she told this to her family, her husband said, and kids, I'm going to be doing it with her. And one of their sons goes, well, dad, you don't need to do it. Why are you going to do it? And he has, says to him, well, son, you know how when the rest of your siblings finish their homework and you're not done with your homework and you feel left out and you, and you, you know, sometimes feel really sad and the kid who frequently is, is very slow to, 
to finishing his homework, he's he tears up and he goes, yeah. He's like, I don't want mommy to feel that way. And so it's just so sweet to see um, really when you do have that support and you have buy-in from people around you, it makes a huge difference for the implement phase needs in the implement phase, you need to see improvement. That's something I see clients. And so if you've really mastered um, that that awareness piece, you're able to track even small and slight improvements because prior to the phase one awareness skill set, I typically see people usually being at um, their only awareness is zero or 100. Like I have no symptoms or I have all my symptoms. And that's kind of the sensitivity developed um, in phase one of like, oh, I see 10% improvement. That's like a good thing. And being able to see, can I impact it? Is it chance that I feel better today? Or is there actually something I'm doing that's improving this? Other needs is to see your own strength and your ability to positively impact yourself and your environment. This is huge because you are taking steps to change things and seeing your strength and gaining that confidence again, we're building confidence in every phase. You'll see me more or less refer to that in different ways because being a self-led healer is 100% about about knowing your body and, and being able to stand up for it. And, and know what to do without having to go to a doctor and be like, oh, something's happening. I don't know what's going on. So um, another need you need in phase two is support, cheerleader, friends, or family. And then you need celebration for milestones. Celebration that we can so often just plow through, partly because unless everything's perfect and 100%, the, 100% gone, we can... I know it's hard to not celebrate. And so um, one of the things I do with my clients is when we when we hit new lows um, or there's a new like, hey, I went this entire week without doing blank or I went this entire week with doing blank, then we're like, wow, how can we celebrate? We really want to reward ourselves um, because we do as creatures, James Clear in his book Atomic Habits talks about this. One of the reasons we don't develop habits is because we are engaging with habits in painful ways. And the only, we're actually hardwired to avoid pain, right? Like, don't put your hand on a hot stove type of situation. Yet when we build habits, we do them in such intense, crazy ways that we're like, I never want to do that again. I never want to run a marathon again. I never want to like stop eating sugar again, whatever it is. Um, and it's just so painful. And so one of the things, that I do with my clients is that's actually the power of exchanges is we make it a little bit less painful um, where it's like, okay, it's not that you can't have coffee or something warm in the morning. It's just that you can't have high amounts of caffeine. So what else can we do? Or um, again, celebrating and saying, Hey, you accomplished X, Y, Z. Let's, let's celebrate. How can you reward yourself? And dangers in phase two are really just two things. High expectations, like, hey, if I change this one thing, it'll all go away. And when it doesn't go away, then I feel discouraged and I think it's all a fluke and I'm just stuck. And going back to that belief of nothing can change. Um, and then other key danger, which you've already heard me talk about, is lack of support or even resistance to changes being made in your lifestyle and your health. Phase three. Phase three is the most common phase I find people in. It's typically the longest phase, um, at least for clients that I'm working with, and it was my longest phase. Phase three is called hunker or hide, and this is referring to the fact that um, at this point your symptoms are maybe 40 to 90 percent of original intensity, so typically 
there's some improvement. Um, you're not that 100% for sure, but maybe it's minimal improvement, like that 90%. So symptom relief is often plateauing or there's a sense of plateauing. Um, often in this phase, you're working really hard to just feel okay. So you're like, I'm trying to do all these things to feel just okay or like still kind of crappy. Um, that's not fun, part of the phase. Um, you often therefore wonder, is this maybe the healthiest I'll ever be? And there's a question of like, maybe my genes are just this way or um, maybe I've done some irreparable damage to my body. Um, friends, family, and doctors may suggest that your symptoms are psychosomatic. I see this a lot in this stage, like, hey, maybe if you just thought about your symptoms less, um, because a lot of times that you've, my clients have done a lot of phase one awareness, so they're very aware of their symptoms in their body and friends and family are like, maybe if you just thought about it less, it would go away, um, which is not fun. Uh, I experienced that myself. Uh, there's pride sometimes um, in this stage of like, I've done all this stuff to help my health. I'm very proud of what I've done. Um, that can be good and bad. Um, there's bitterness at maybe people who haven't helped you along the way or bitterness that you haven't been able to find the answers. Um, bitterness at doctors <laughs> who haven't been able to help you find out what's going on. There's shame that you feel that the reason you're not better is your fault. That's the most common shame that I'm really hear from people in this stage and what I felt. There's anger at yourself or others. Um, there's emotional asphyxiation. This like, there's no answer anywhere. I'm stuck here forever. How am I going to survive this? Um, and then in phase three, I often see people settling with their health or pushing harder than ever. And that's the hunker or hide. You're kind of go through this laundry list of my symptoms are still hanging out and I'm plateauing and it's hard to feel okay. And then you've got all these emotions of anger and shame and bitterness and pride and, and frustration with people supporting you or not supporting you. And you just settle or you, you push harder. So you're like, you know, I'm just going to go back to drinking the beer that I was drinking because that didn't work. Or I'm just going to go back to, um, gosh, like staying up late or um, whatever it is. Um, or you push harder than ever and you're like, I'm going to grind down and I'm sure that um, I just didn't get something right and I'm just going to perfect this and then I'll get better for sure. So that gets us to our blocks. Our blocks in phase three are one, perfectionism. Basically thinking perfection will heal you. That's where you get that hunker down. <laughs> um, and the main thought behind this is I'm just not doing it right. And the the, when I see clients stuck in that mindset, they come in and they say, what food am I not eating? Or like, I tracked everything this week and I still had really weird symptoms. And and the, 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 the hard part about phase three is that you're not in phase four. <laughs> and, and the reason I say it that way is because phase four holds the answer to that question of why when I track all my food and do all these things that I know that are what I've developed and deemed to be right, why do I still get my symptoms randomly? Phase four has the answers and that's why phase four is so amazing. Um, but phase three, you don't know that answer. And so you think I'm just not doing it right. Um, phase three, there's the pride of like, I'm just going to do this myself. And, and the reason that that's a block is because phase four has to do with getting help. Um, just a, just a little hook there. So, um, another block to phase three is unwillingness to get help, which I just kind of said, um, and, and really looking at, um, 
not just in your health, but do you see this unwillingness to get help in the home? Like, are you okay with asking for help taking out the garbage or asking for help with someone sending you tax information? I had to ask my husband, like, hey, can you send me all the tax information for this? Because I know it's you have more of these documents. <laughs> and I had to ask for help. Um, you know, are you able to ask for help in the workplace from coworkers or your boss? Are you able to work for, ask for help from family or from your spiritual home? things like that. Do you have a fear of getting help? Like, what if somebody else messes things up? What what if they tell me I'm doing it wrong? Um, Is there a scarcity mindset? Um, And that actually has to do with money and the fact that sometimes help costs money. We're going to get into that more in just a second. So strategies for phase three when you're kind of in this hunker and hide cycle is um, knowing that your sickness is not a willpower problem. That's one of the first things I want all my clients to know. And that's actually something I will often say if I hear it on our consultation call um, that they're like, well, I... I, I, and I, I know I shouldn't be eating sugar, and I, but I just have all these sugar cravings, and I just I guess I need, just need to willpower it through. And I say, willpower's got nothing to do with it, honey. Like, um, actually, um, my same client who had the, uh, the beer experience and learning beer was so bad for her, um, also found out um, she she had really intense sugar cravings, and I told her, I bet you have a microbiome imbalance. I bet if we 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 help your microbiome, that you'll actually stop having cravings because our bacteria are actually a huge part of us getting craving signaling, and so um, our bacteria can talk to us, guys. They use chemicals, <laughs> and. So we actually changed a couple things. Specifically, we found out a couple food sensitivities she had. One of them was, uh, two of them were broccoli and spinach, which she ate every morning um, to be healthy. Uh, She ate it in an egg scramble. And we took those two things out. And three days, her cravings went away. And she was like, 80% of my cravings are gone, Allison. This is crazy. And so she didn't need willpower. So no, in phase three, if you're struggling, if you're in phase three and you're hunkering or you're hiding from from your problems, One of your strategies is to just know your sickness is not a willpower problem. And I really want you to know that from the depths of my heart. It is so freeing and so necessary to hear that when you're going through all of this. And that is something that I struggled with personally, being like, is this my fault? Is this, I just don't have enough willpower to heal myself. Um, other strategies in phase three is to shift your money mindset. You're, and you're like, wow, Allison, you're suddenly talking about money. Yes, money. This is really going to be important to getting to your phase four. You want to shift your money mindset from spending to investing. And what I mean by this is that you spend money on things when you buy a scarf, um, when you buy maybe you could say food is kind of in that category. When you buy when you buy a, a new car, these are things, um, but you invest money on assets and assets are anything that gives you a return on investment. As in, you know, you put money into it and it actually gives you money back. Or even if it's not money, it gives you something. It gives you it gives you time back. It gives you energy back. It gives you something valuable when you buy it. And so um, if you're really wise in what you buy, like your car can be your asset or it could just be a thingamabob because it's, it's cool and you bought the most expensive car so you have status and, you know, 
is your car a thing or is it an asset? And for your body, your body is always an asset. It is 100% an asset um, because it's literally running your whole life. You don't get to switch bodies if this one fails you. And so the length of time you have on the earth, the quality of time you have on the earth, the focus you have, the energy, all of that's coming from your body. And so it is It is your job, it is your ability to enjoy friends, it's your ability to enjoy leisure. I mean, who, I mean, I know one of the things that I hate the most is when I take, have to take like a, a day off because I'm sick. And so like, you're like, wow, I have a day off, it's so fun, I'm not working, but I'm sick. <laughs> and so you're not enjoying it. And so your body is an asset. And so just the same way that you put money into a house, it's real estate and it's an asset. When you put money into stocks, it's it's money and it grows without you paying attention to it. Your body does the same thing. Um, and so I want you to ask yourself, and if you're in this phase, another strategy for this phase is how much is my body worth to me? Put a number on it. And I'm actually going to be leading us at the end of this with an activity that you can do um, to really to really nail this because I really believe that a lot of people who are listening to podcasts, I mean, maybe you're in the implementer phase and you're gathering information, but the majority of women that I work with, they're in phase three. They, they are frustrated. They are tired of being tired and they have tried a lot of good things that haven't worked. They've tried the probiotics. They've tried vitamin D. They've tried whatever their doctor suggested. They've tried exercising um, and it's just not working. So, um, Ask yourself, how much is my body worth to me? Put a number on it. All right, phase three, the dangers is grabbing for quick fixes and tactics. This one pill, this one supplement that's, you know, people, um, I, I love the heart behind like, hey, I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to figure something out. Is there is is there a supplement that I should be taking? That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think getting into this mindset, I, I mean, I remember going from probiotic to probiotic to probiotic and even asking my doctor, what's the best probiotic for me? Because I was just so sure <laughs> that a probiotic pill was going to heal my gut. And I was just missing information about how the gut works. And my doctor kind of also was too. And so she wasn't able to help me. Um, other quick fixes and tactics is like, if I just read one more blog post or listen to one more podcast episode, I'll learn that one thing. And you're going to learn things that are going to help you. So if you're in phase two implementer, listen to podcasts. But if you're in this hunker and hide and you're like, oh crap, that's me, Allison. My symptoms are plateauing and and I'm just getting really re more and more frustrated. And I feel like, you know, I've gained a lot of good things, but now I just, I'm just coasting. Yeah, that, that is sometimes you can just really sink your teeth into, to one more blog post is going to heal me. Um, and then uh, other things, other dangers in phase three is only repeating skills from previous phases, aka not learning new skills, which we're going into, going to get into what those skills are in phase four. And then lastly, operating off incorrect information. And I've alluded to this already, but that, you know, basically the idea that the incorrect information I had of this one probiotic, probiotics are what makes your gut better, right? And that's really only a fraction of what's going on in your gut. Okay, I've like been alluding to phase four, the entire phase three, um, because phase four, I think, is so emotionally heavy. And so phase four is called breakthrough. And in the breakthrough phase, um, you are in it if your symptoms are at zero to 40% of your original intensity. 
you have identified the root causes of your symptoms, not just things that support it or help you cope, which is why there can be relief from symptoms in the other three stages, but maybe not that dramatic change. So, so you're look, the big difference is finding root causes of symptoms. Um, and these you often gain these awareness of root causes by seeking help from a health professional. And I don't want, like, I thought about that for a very long time before I put it down of like, is that true? Is it always a health professional who's like making that breakthrough with root causes? And I've thought about a lot of cases, both the clients I've worked with, even my own life. And like, yes, that's, that is the answer. Um, the only reason I even got my answers is because I became the health professional. And there's just so many people out there, um, potentially yourself included as you're listening, um, that you're like, no, I'm a marketer or I'm a mom or like, I'm not going to become a health professional. Um, just so I can, by the way, that's way more expensive and takes a lot longer than just getting help from a health professional. And so that's often going on in phase four. Um, it really is true. And, and I only put it down because, because when I really thought about the patterns I see, it's people getting help. Um, identifiers in phase four also is you're looking at websites and reading research articles to find out new types of therapies that may help your condition. So that's how you choose maybe your health practitioner. Like I'm going to try hypnotherapy or I'm going to try functional medicine, or I'm going to try craniosacral therapy. So you're, you're kind of trying to find new modalities of people who might have insight into what's going on in your body. Um, and you understand your body specifically so much more in this phase so like your body your specific body is much more understandable so you're not just you don't just think of your body in terms of what somebody else wrote on their blog um or like keto worked for me it'll work for you um by the way my 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 client on a keto diet it's short term it's just to kill her candida she can quit it as soon as the candida has gone so side note on the keto diet it, it's a tool not a it can be a lifestyle but for her it's a tool um so sh she and my other clients understand their specific body much more and then um in this phase four you're able to spend more time and energy on friends family hobbies work whatever you want because you're getting that breakthrough you have to spend less time just coping um blocks in phase four is thinking you're getting to the root cause but you're not um, that's why you get stuck in phase three, hunker and hide, because you think that just the, the things you're already doing that you're just cycling through are the root cause, and they're just not. So you are in phase three if you're not in phase four, <laughs> um, if you're not getting that relief. Um, blocks to phase four is just coping-focused symptom release, such as going to an acupuncture or a chiropractor for like just a needle appointment or a little crack and kick you out and then you get relief, but the healing is not long-term um, and you usually just need to keep going back and back and back. Um, again, kind of that hunker and hide. You're hunkering and, and just not seeing huge change. By the way, I'm not against acupuncturists or chiropractors. I believe that, excuse me, that they can do really big change, like really big change. Um, I've been to a chiropractor and had huge change, but it depends on who you're going to and also what is the root cause of your problem. Are you having back pain because of your lumbar spine or are you having back pain because you have uh, your mesenteric root of your small intestine is pulling at your lumbar spine or have you are you having low back pain because you have bloating, which is causing your mesenteric root to pull in your low back spine, your lumbar spine and and pull that bone out of place. Um, so uh, 
if you've never heard me talk about how organs can cause pain, especially bony pain, like my neck hurts, my back hurts, my hips hurt, organs can. And that's because your organs have seat belts. They have ligaments that hold them in to those surfaces and they can actually pull on bones. And so um, a lot of times I say, if you are having chiropractic care, but it's you're having to go back and you're really not seeing changes, it could be that they're not giving you good enough care. Like you could benefit from some um, strengthening and stretching techniques. And we're, I'm actually having a chiropractor on the podcast um, in the next couple of months uh, to talk about how to find the best chiropractor for you. But if you really do feel like you have a good chiropractor, but you're not getting results, it could be your organs inside of you. And that is a good cha- reason to either get a visceral manipulation practitioner or a functional medicine practitioner to check out your organ health. Um, strategies in phase four is to ask friends for health practitioners uh, that they have had success with just so you can start finding someone um, who's good. Uh, you can begin interviewing practitioners and asking them if they can help you. And think about this like buying a house. When you buy a house, you have an inspector come, you have you personally walk through the house, you you do all these different things to figure out, is this the house for me? Um, and, and so it's okay to interview practitioners. Now, sometimes the best way to interview someone, maybe they don't have a lot of time to talk and you don't want to go in. I find that when someone comes in very skeptical of what I do, um, they're typically not ready to work with me uh, because they, they're just already not trusting of the process. So not to say be skeptical, but go in and kind of know, like when I look for a chiropractor, and that's, I'm actually going to have a podcast episode focused on this. So stay tuned um, how to find a health practitioner and what questions to be asking them. But when I go to a chiropractor, one of the things I do is like, do you give stretching and strengthening exercises? Because muscles help hold bones in place. And I actually went to a chiropractor before I found the one I go to um, who said, that's not true. Like, I don't believe that bones hold muscles in place. And I'm like, I'm a massage therapist. I trained in this. I, I'm do medical grade massage therapy. I just don't agree with you. And so we had a difference in philosophy and I knew that was a no go. doesn't mean he doesn't help people, but I knew I would have a lot of clashing with him. So I never went to him. Um, strategy in phase four is to jump in, (laughs) jump in, jump in. Um, because you you're you've never asked for help before you're on the sidelines you're like what if they don't help me there's all these fears um that come up and so jumping in is a huge strategy and you will learn you learn with every practitioner you work with some of them maybe you will be like yeah that was a learning experience where i learned what not to do but you at least did something and and your body's getting that much closer to healing and so lastly, a strategy is to know that even if one healthcare practitioner doesn't fix everything, you're still making progress. Like when I went to my chiropractor, um, I went because I was having neck pain. He happened to also fix my knee pain um, because I just didn't understand how the body worked at the time. Now I, I'm like, oh, duh, of course he did that. Um, but then, and of course, knee pain has to do with hip pain, guys. It's all interconnected. It's really beautiful. But um at the t- he didn't he didn't heal my gut and and that's okay he healed another thing and when when they come on my chiropractor um and and the his his uh there there's two of them at their office so both of them are coming on when they come on we're going to talk about how chiropractor can fit into helping heal your gut and what to look for and what they may or may not be able to do 
uh, because it's super fascinating and I think it's good to know. Uh, phase four is needs, uh, of, of fa- needs of phase four. Sorry, I said that backwards, guys. Is you need practitioners, you need practitioners to explain what they're doing and why this will help you. Because I find that one of the reasons clients don't work with me um, or clients are not willing to work with anybody is that they are like, well, why are you suggesting what you're doing? And then they just are like, well, I don't think that makes sense. And they walk away and I'm like, whoa, did you listen to me explain what I'm doing and why it's going to help you? Um, and, and there's, again, that kind of inherent skepticism and fear, really a lot of fear of do I know how to spend my money? Do I know how to find a good practitioner? This phase is all about seeing huge change in your life. And it's all about it, and still using the other other skills we learned, like phase one mindset of make small imperfect steps. And so just get a consultation or pay for somebody to do an evaluation. Um, those are really big. And, and sometimes take a leap, even if you're still not sure what's going to happen. Um, other needs is you need a new and refined understanding of your body so that you're no longer working under incorrect assumptions or incorrect, um, not just assumptions, incorrect information of like, oh, a pro heals my gut, which is what I thought. But no, 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 there's also pathogens in my gut. My gut also has a mucosal barrier that was broken down and literally was like a big sunburn on the inside of my gut. And so like a probiotic doesn't heal sunburns and a probiotic doesn't get rid of pathogens like blastocystis hominis check out the link in the show notes for that episode on, I think it's episode 18, um, how I healed a parasite that I had and nobody else found because nobody was looking for root cause. Uh, Sad face for me, happy face for all my clients. (laughs) Um, Needs uh, for phase four is also to combine phase one and phase two skills with lessons being learned. Um, from your practitioner. So phase one awareness, um, what, how, how is your body changing as your practitioner is, is working with it? Um, are you seeing changes? Um, and then phase two is implementing and, and using habit building and all these different stuff um, as your practitioners may be telling you do these exercises or, or change your diet. Um, and they should be telling you it in a, a very smart way, not in like a um, – this is your new life for the rest of your life, but really like, here's the plan. And when I tell my work with my clients, I create a six month plan where at the end of it, they should have the widest margins possible in their diet and in their lifestyle where they're not on this, like, I can never stay up late or I can never have alcohol. Like, unless we just really determine something's a no go, but we want the widest margins possible. And it's wider than most people get from other even other functional medicine practitioners who I think can sometimes be really harsh and be like, do the low FODMAP diet for the rest of your life. (laughs) That's not getting to the root cause. Um, You need to be open to change and being stretched and you need to celebrate your wins again. And lastly, for phase four, dangers are choosing your first chiropractor, nutritionist, functional medicine practitioner just by like, oh, you're the first person I came across. Now, I'm a, the reason I put that down is because I'm someone who tends to just go to the first person and I did that with my chiropractor. Um, I actually paid a guy to work with me and I, it was like a really bad experience and I remember calling my parents and my dad's a surgeon and he's not super into alternative health stuff. Although with my work, he's like, Allison, I don't 100% understand what you do because it's just so different than how he thinks, but he's like, 
but it works. And that's intriguing. So fun note on that. But I called my dad. I'm like, how do I find a good chiropractor? And he's like, I don't know. Is there a good one out there? And I was like, there has to be. I'm in too much pain. (laughs) And so um, it was because I had that experience that I now am very picky. And even before I got, for example, my certification to become a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, I did so much research on who to get my education from because that was basically going to be informing me for for everything. And I spent probably eight months um, doing research and uh, who to who to get my education from. And so um, I really think that what I found is the best. So if you are listening, even if I'm your first person, maybe search around and compare how other people sound or look or think, but, um, or what testimonies you can hear from people, but really, um, this is, this is huge. So, um, Dangers and other dangers in phase four is to blame your health practitioner for not getting you results. The truth of the matter is, is like my chiropractor wasn't going to fix my gut. I had a parasite in me. Um, I also had other stuff going on like leaky gut and like chiropractic care was not going to heal either of those. So, um, even if you get some resolution from a practitioner, you need to be realistic on like maybe how much they can change. And sometimes when people work with me, they're discouraged or honestly, when they're considering working with me, they're discouraged if I say, um, hey, from what you're saying, I think functional medicine will help you, but maybe, honestly, chiropractic care. You have a health history of whiplash or a car accident or um, craniosacral therapy or hypnotherapy, and people are like, they're discouraged mainly because they're like, what, more money? Are you being, are you just like extorting me? I'm like, no, I'm just sending you to people and to specialties that are really good. And so money mindset really comes up again with like phase four of, is it money that's holding you back? And we've talked about this. I have an episode, we'll include it in the show notes on why we have such a hard time investing in our bodies. And some of that is, um, health insurance and how it's built and how we're taught health insurance should work. And some of that is just how as society, as society, as things we hear from our parents and our school teachers, we want to talk about socializing ourselves and to expectations. We just expect our bodies to work. And it is, we save up for new ovens, we save up for homes, we save up for cars, we save up for education, but we don't save up for our bodies. And why is that when it is the one thing we can never get a second one of, really. And so um, the other danger in phase four is bitterness, which this specific bitterness is more like, I knew I shouldn't have paid someone for help because you are, we're expecting to get results and maybe you either didn't find the best person or in my case, again, with the chiropractor, like they just aren't designed to heal everything that was going on in my body. Um, we don't want to enter bitterness because we had expectations that they, they weren't or couldn't meet. And the last phase is phase five. So if you make it through all of these phases, you get to this beautiful, awesome, cool phase, um, called the self-led healer. And in the self-led healer phase, um, you have few or limited symptoms. I'm thinking zero to 10% symptoms. That's where I'm at. That's where many of my clients are at at the end of their time working with me. Um, And if you have an autoimmune disorder, doctors will say you're in remission or you have no flare-ups. I had a client who, gosh, had an autoimmune disorder and she went a year without a flare-up during one of the most stressful years of her life because of her work with me. And that was incredible. I didn't even know she her flare-ups would last two weeks and she typically had them I think she said two to four times a year 
And um, she had none the year she worked with me when her stress was more. And I, I had no idea. It was just really incredible. Um, you, in this phase, you'll go weeks or months maybe without symptoms. Uh, you'll know what to do to stop, offset, or limit symptoms when they do begin. So I have a client who gets migraines, but I've taught her self-care. So we've done some, some deep root healing, but then also taught her self-care. So she's been able to stop migraines from happening multiple times now. And like, that's just incredible. Uh, she'll just go do a couple things migraine starts to disappear. And I mean, without medication, really amazing. Um, in phase five, you're able to manage your health with less effort. You understand where your symptoms are coming from and you have confidence in the knowledge of your body. Your blocks in phase five is, uh, this is kind of funny because now a lot of times people who really succeed in phase four, um, one of the blocks to phase five is being afraid to detach from their health practitioner. And not to say you can never see your health practitioners again. We're always here for you. Um, but I have had clients in the past who have had success with me in like craniosacral therapy or visceral manipulation. And they're just so afraid to go a week or two weeks without seeing me or a month. And, um, and there can be cases where that is appropriate to see me once a month if, if they have something ongoing or they're still healing other parts of their body and it's helpful to them. There's nothing wrong with doing helpful things. Um, I get acupuncture once a month, not because I'm in terrible pain or anything, but because I consider it maintenance, almost like eating food is maintenance. <laughs> um, and that's just the level of maintenance I want to do with acupuncture. And I see my chiropractor once every th- once a quarter. Um, and that's the maintenance I like. And it's I rarely go in. He's like, you in any pain? I'm like, no, just like assess me and, 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 and support my overall health. <laughs> um, and the other block to phase five is learning dependence on health practitioners rather than being educated enough to have independence. And that's honestly, I see that as a little bit more on the practitioners, um, weighing on the practitioner than, than you. I mean, you pick your practitioner, but is your practitioner educating you? Are you learning things of like, this is how my body works? Um, and that's just really big in, in becoming, getting to phase five. Uh, strategies in phase five is continuing to implement what you have learned through all the other phases. You don't just stop doing stuff because you're like, oh, I can go back to eating wheat again. I mean, if wheat came up okay for you, sure. But I just have a lot of clients who we find that they have wheat um, antibodies in their body. So, and they, wheat-related antibodies, wheat-related uh autoimmune or not autoimmune, sorry, uh, wheat related allergy responses. And so they can't, they shouldn't have wheat. So you definitely (laughs) want to continue to implement what you learn about what your body needs. You want to develop intuitive eating and body awareness so that, and the reason I say that is I really want all my clients to walk away and not be afraid of food. And so intuitive eating is after you've healed your body from leaky gut and leaky gut is one of the reasons you see so much chaos and symptoms. Like, um, I remember literally cooking a meal meals and having like five days worth of the same food and feeling like two out of the five days when I ate it, my gut hurt. And that was like, well, was I extra stressed or like, was it the water I drank with it? I mean, it makes you feel crazy, but it was my leaky gut. Um, there's, it, it just throws this big chaotic thing into the mix where there's something other than food you're putting into your body or even stressors. There's something other than your external environment that's impacting you. And that's your internal environment. Um, 
You strategies in phase five is to make a touch up or maintenance visit when needed, as I described with acupuncture and chiropractic care, and to share your story with others. And the main reason I have that on phase five is you want to encourage yourself with how far you've come. Tell your story to others. And I know the some people that comes very naturally in phase five, and other people it's it's weird slash scary because. Maybe you've spent a lot of time trying to hide the fact that you haven't been feeling well. Um, and maybe you don't tell this story with everyone, but I think it is important to begin to tell, start to tell it with more people, friends, family, cousins, like 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 this neighbor on the road who you want to encourage. Um, you encourage yourself when you share your story and you encourage others that they too can get better. Um, and then needs in phase five, phase five is to develop confidence in the skills you've honed to take care of yourself, to enjoy the stage of health. Sometimes in the phase one through four, you're so hypervigilant, you are afraid to loosen at all. And there's a, a factor element of enjoyment that gets limited in phase five because there's this fear that like, what if I just go back? And so really part of phase five is enjoying the stage of health that, and that took literally took me time. Oh my gosh. It's probably taken me around two years. Um, and you know, I killed my parasite last, uh, in 2020 in the summer of 2020. And so I haven't even come a full year since the parasite part of everything. Um, and, and I think it took me a shorter amount of time because I'm more familiar with like, oh, this is my body's new norm. Um, but yeah, there was a there was a sense of like tiptoeing for a little while after I killed it. And now I feel much more comfortable of like, ooh, I get to enjoy this this amount of health. Um, and then you get to tr- uh, you need to trust yourself in phase five and you need to trust your body. And that kind of really gets back to being able to enjoy things and 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 be confident. Um, and the dangers in phase five is thinking you've arrived and going back to old habits that did not serve you um, or never developing deep body understanding and only adopting a do what you're told mindset, which is again like, oh no, I need a practitioner, a doctor, somebody to tell me what to do. Otherwise I'm just clueless. Um, And again, that may be the practitioner's fault. um, So kind of depends on who you pick. And it may be just something that you need to like go back and say, "What, what were the things that person taught me? Uh, my chiropractor actually printed off like all these sheets um, of exercises that were relevant to me and I keep those. And occasionally if I'm experiencing pain, I actually have most of them memorized at this point because I, I use them so much for my ongoing health. But occasionally I'm like, well, did he have anything in that packet that might I might have forgotten about that might be relevant to what I'm going through? And so I will go out and get that. So that was on me to keep the packet and to go back and look at it. And I do have clients who um, sometimes they'll do a brush up coaching call with me and I'll be like, oh, do you remember this thing we talked about? You did it once and it really helped you and this or, or whatever you did it for. You were doing it for a month or um, and they're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I'm like, let's try that. And so, um, again, no, no problem that they chose a coaching call, but that, uh, that they did have that skill available to them and they were learning how to use it. So 
my activation question for this podcast episode. And uh, today's definitely a little bit longer than normal, but I hope that it is so enlightening. I hope that I'm so curious as you guys are listening to this, what phase stuck out to you? Um, And I know a lot of people are like, I feel like I'm in multiple phases. And part of that is like, you know, when you're in phase four breakthrough, you're still, you know, maybe accessing things in phase one awareness, all those things. But like, what phase, if you had to really pick one and say, you know, I'm, I'm in this phase because I'm mastering it or I'm in this phase because I'm bumping up against my next phase, like maybe you're in phase three and you're like, oh, I'm bumping up against phase four, but I'm being held back by resistance from family members or money mindset, um, you know, but really think about what phase, pick your phase, um, go back, re-listen to this, you know, listen to the identifiers, the strategies, the needs, the blocks, the dangers, um, And then for now, what I want you to do, you know, if you're driving, you might be able to think this through, but ideally I would love if you grab a sticky note, a flashcard, a note to yourself, your journal, um, your phone, and write down three things for me. So it's gonna be number one, if you own a home, I want you to write down the value of your current home. And if you don't own a home, I want you to write how much you're paying in rent per month. Um, and then number two, I want you to write down the value of your ideal home. And in my city, a home that like typically starts to be on like what I would want to start with, or it might not be my ideal, like, you know, 20 or 30 years from now, but my like next steps ideal home is about $250,000 for the area that I live in. And then What I want you to do is make this, um, and then number three, you can leave this blank if you want, but number three is going to have the number of how much you want to decide your body is worth. And I want to say, you decide what your body is worth. You do, like, nobody else decides that. (laughs) Like, doctors don't decide how much your body's worth. Um, I just sometimes don't even think they care. Um, It just, it depends on the doctor. Um, depends on how exhausted they are, uh, back to the thing, uh, you know, but you decide, you decide that, like, I don't decide how much your body's worth. Honestly, sometimes I think I come and have clients come to me considering working with me. And I think I probably value their body more than they do. Um, where I'm like, Hey, we can do all these things. And they're like, nah, I'm not gonna. Um, so I want to make this practical. If you feel like number three, when you decide how much your body's worth, you're like, wow, Allison, that's like really harsh, um, or really interesting. Um, I want you to think, honestly, when I wrote down that, wow, the minimum value of a, of a home in my area that is like a home I'd want to start with is 250000 I want to value my home at 250000 or my body. I want to value my body at 250000 Like, and honestly, I probably have a goal to make it valued higher. Like, for sure. I don't, I expect that over time I will probably own a home that is more expensive than $250,000, um, especially because that's again like low end of range for where I live. Um, so if I have more kids and need more, no, more bedrooms, things like that, it's going to be more expensive. I want my, my body to be at least the value of my ideal home. And um, to get an idea of if you have that number now for your body, um, get an, to get an idea of how much you have to spend per month to even approximate 
being investing in your body the way you're investing your your physical home because again your body is your home your body is your house it's your spirit's house your emotions house it's the house you do everything in it's the house you take with everywhere you don't even get to take your house everywhere like your physical house your or your land grafted house um you take that number that you wrote down for your body divide it by 30 which is the most common which is a very common mortgage rate um for homes and then divide that number by 12 and that's the number that you can that's how much you could be spending on your body per month to even approximate how much you're investing in just your home and so um anything looking at that like you might have a shock factor of like oh my gosh i can't afford that that's crazy or like Allison's crazy, but no, we're not crazy. Don't you want a body that's going to last you more than 30 years? Like if that's the minimum price you have to pay to have a body that's vivacious and strong and you're not hobbling along and you can pick up your grandchildren, like figure out your why. What is your why? You probably already have one. Is your why like you want to be able to focus on your career and your hobbies and your passions? Is your why that you want to be able to hang out with friends and family and not be distracted by where's the bathroom or um, or the food that you can or cannot eat on the table? Um, that is what you're getting with your body. It is so, so, so important. And as with buying a house, um, you, when someone, when you, if you were selling a house or, you know, especially if you're selling a house, you might even see on the street, on a sign of a house being sold, serious buyers only. And the best way to work with a health practitioner, whether whoever it is, is that you are a serious buyer. You come in and you say, I am seriously interested in the best place to invest my health. And I'm not coming in skeptical of the home but I'm coming in wise and wanting to be intentional with my money, my time, and my investment. And that practitioner should pick up on that and you should feel that from them as well. Are they just as invested in you as you are in, in, the, in the process? Well, I hope you loved hearing about the five phases. I hope that you found what phase you're in. I hope that you feel encouraged, that you feel that you know, have an idea of what your next steps are or what may be holding you back from the phase that you are in or moving to the next phase. That is the whole point of why I wanted to share that or share this episode with you guys. And I also have something for you. I created a downloadable PDF, which has all of my top five recommendations for each phase that you are in. And especially some of the, and then it even has information that I didn't include, such as for a tracker uh, and for phase one and tracking your symptoms, I have a list of some of my clients' favorite tracking apps. Uh, we have tracking apps for migraines, autoimmune disorders, IBS, um, some that are more general trackers. They are really amazing. They can help you correlate and think through everything that you could or would want to be tracking. So if you are interested in that, click the link in the show notes you can download that PDF and check out all the amazing information that we have for you. 
Well, if you love this episode, we have so much more still coming down the line. If you hadn't noticed, even with talking about episodes that we have coming up. So subscribe so you never miss a single one of our episodes and take a screenshot and share it with a friend. If you enjoyed this episode and you thought of someone as you were listening to it, just take that screenshot and send a love note to your friend's gut and do us a favor and pass this podcast along to them. Other things that you can do is leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people and other listeners like you find our podcasts. Um, If you just leave a little rating and a one sentence review, it means the world to us and really helps other people find healing as well. Other ways you can stay in the conversation with us is by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Better Belly Therapies. I love connecting with you guys and it means so much if you drop by and said hi. And as a reminder, to finish things off, our motto is miracles are immediate, but healing takes time, like five phases of time. (laughs) Love how I worked that in.